What's up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a singer, an educator, an entrepreneur, an author, and a mentor for today's generation. This woman wears more hats than a little bit, but it gives me such honor to introduce to you L. Renee Blackwell. So you're a singer, an educator, an author, a mentor, a special education teacher. You're a CEO of your own company. You are a youth pastor and you have a ministry for saved and single. This (laughs) is just a small fraction of the things that you do and are going to do. You call yourself the most basic, complicated person anyone will ever meet. Yeah, giggle. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I am the most basic, complicated person that you meet. Yes, ma'am. Tell me, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that um, although it doesn't take a lot uh, to satisfy me to a certain extent, when people meet me, you know, I'm not a, a self-proclaimed diva. I'm not... Uh, you know, really into a lot of material things and things of that nature. So in terms of just things that make me happy, things that bring me joy, I'm pretty, I'm very, very um, basic when it comes to that. But when I start talking about complications, I'm more so talking about, I have layers as we all do. Um, And so a lot of times people switch that out and they think that when you have a lot of layers in terms of a lot of hats that I uh where in terms of a lot of my taste, the things that I enjoy to do, I'm kind of all over the place in terms of the things that I enjoy to do personally and through business. So that's what I mean by the complication, because um, sometimes people want to pigeonhole you and make you only be this. Uh, And I tend to not want or choose to be typecast. Uh, I can kind of fit in with the small town people. I can fit in with the big city people. I can fit in with the church people. I can fit in with secular environments. So that's what I mean by as far as just the inner part of me, I'm pretty basic. You know, I love food. I love God. I love music. I love basic things. But when it comes down to pigeonholing me and just trying to pull me into one category or another, that's where sometimes it tends to be complicated. Yeah, so you don't like to be put in that box. No, ma'am. I'm not. I don't do well in side boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Claustrophobic, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't do well in in inside boxes at all. You kept when I read that, it reminded something I used to post on my social media pages. I used to say, "I am perfectly imperfect." Oh, I love that. Yes, yes. So, so I was like, "Oh, she is my little spiritual sis." Okay, I see you. <laughs> For sure, for sure, <laughs> definitely so. Uh, that's the beauty of life, of the fact that we are perfectly imperfect. And it's through those imperfections um, that I began to see God work the the strongest in my life through those things that I hated, through those things that I abhorred, through those things that I were embarrassed about, through those things that I was, uh, you know, just didn't think I fit in. Those are the things now that God is turning around and making them just fit so perfectly. So you know, absolutely. It is. <laughs> absolutely. I agree with you. And it's such a, um, a weight that falls off of you when you feel that it's okay of being who I am. Wow. For sure. For it sure. is such a weight. Now you also consider yourself a trailblazer, always looking for something that hasn't been done. Can you name two things 
that you would like to do that you haven't done yet, but you would love to do? Uh, well, one of the things uh, I want to do is I want to have my own learning center. I am a certified uh, teacher uh, mm-hmm. and I want my own learning center. I don't want a school uh, in a traditional sense. I want to create a learning center where we facilitate learning uh, through so many different non-traditional ways. Um, I want kids to take psychology classes at the earliest age possible um, so they begin to understand better about how their brains work and how they affect their emotions and all of that. And then the other part of it is I know everybody does not always succeed with traditional academics. And so I want to provide centers where those kids who are going to always struggle in reading and always struggle in math, but if I can give them a hands-on environment, if I can take them out in the world and take them to a grocery store and help them learn how to count in real life with real world connections. That's something that's, that's the, the realm of education that I want to move into as opposed to just having another building with traditional um, curriculum, traditional students and all of that. So that's one thing I want to do. Um, and the other thing that I really want to do is I want to begin to um, travel, but I want to travel in a way that it connects people Um, I've been seeing a lot of things about the social experiments that people are doing these days. And I'm really interested in doing that, especially within the church. Um, I really want to create more, not necessarily auxiliaries, like we were talking about earlier, how you have all these auxiliaries in in our different denominations where there is a a group for this person and a group for that person. But even that kind of pigeonholes people. I want to create... Uh, auxiliaries for survivors. I want to create auxiliaries for people uh, who are sex addicts. I want to create auxiliaries uh, for people who are struggling with their sexuality. I want to create, you know, programs for uh, people with mental illness within the body of Christ, Um, because we kind of act like because we go to church that we are exempt from those areas. And a lot of times I had to learn through my own experiences, we are suffering silently. And so I want to create a church or a ministry or whatever you want. I don't even want to put a title on what it is, but I want to begin to move away from even traditional um, auxiliaries in the church that serves a whole purpose, but a lot of times the individual needs are still going without. So that's another thing I'd love to have. uh, And I'd love to go all over the world, all over churches, you know, to different areas where I could help them start and implement those uh, programs that I'm talking about and then move on to the next church. So it's funny you even brought that up because that just seems like that's one of those subjects that's so taboo in the church is sex. Yes. Oh, my God. And we we cover that in Single and Save because where are we getting around that subject? (laughs) Right. How are we able to get around that subject when we're saying we desire to be married, we desire to be in a relationship? So, yeah. But you know what I began to understand when I when I started with Single and Saving the Kingdom, it was because I wanted to I began to look at a lot of my counterparts uh, in the 21st century. And I began to see that we are succeeding in every area of our lives. I'm talking about believers now. We're not talking about the world. We're mm-hmm. saying within the body of Christ, it seemed to be that I saw singles, male and female, that were succeeding in life. They were 
running corporations. They were uh, being successful, you know, in the home. They're buying homes, financially independent, all of these things. But we kept seeming like we were failing when it came to relationships. You know, they, they either they were hard. It was hard for them to meet someone or either when they met someone, it just seemed like the relationships were just falling apart or even our examples in church of what godly love looks like and, and, and thriving love looked like. It seemed like we were just didn't have a lot of examples to make me desire to have what I see you have. And so that was where it began because nobody wanted to talk about it. I can't be evangelist, you know, Renee, uh, at home, <laughs> you know, right. my husband doesn't want me to be evangelist there. He wants me to just be Renee. Um, and so I began to see though, a lot of times we were trying to translate the things that we do in the body of Christ at church or in the marketplace. And we want to bring that home. And that doesn't translate in personal relationships. It doesn't translate in the bedroom either. It no. does, <laughs> you no. know, that's, that's not where I want you to be that role for me. And so that was one of the reasons why we have this platform um, and we talk about it. Um, right now I'm working on an e-course and that's one of the topics that we talk about because nobody wants to get, we were always taught growing up. The only thing we learned about sex was until you're married, don't have it. Well, can you imagine <laughs> how much material between closure and between? Oh yeah. my and then we, you know, we're learning the hard way. We're bumping our heads because, you know, nobody has really addressed it. And I think it's because we haven't been given permission to be um, open and honest about our sexual needs and our sexual appetite and all of that. And that you can love Jesus. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you, but it's at least give us guidance in it and talk about it and let people be, you know, free, you know, to, to yeah. express what they need so you can get healing from there. Yes, they don't like to talk about, okay, the whole dating process. They don't even talk about that part. They just say, they just make it look like a man of God to see you in church, decide that you're his wife. He'll, he'll court you, then you'll get married. Okay, what does that mean? That's, start, that's the start with that part. What does that mean? What is courting? Courting is dating. Why we got to call courting? It's dating. Right, right. Now, what does a date consist of? Mm -hmm. What can you cannot do? What should you shouldn't do? How far can it go? You, how intimate can you be with somebody you're dating? Exactly. They, can you kiss them? Can you not kiss them? If you kiss them, is it only a peck? Is it a long kiss? No one really goes into this. They don't. But that is why I created Single and Saving the Kingdom. And that is why I created this e-course. Uh, I'm with my first beta group right now. And it's called Are You Ready for Love? Um, and it's called the love connection because what I understood was that we are sending the wrong message to Christian singles with that scenario that you just laid out. A, a Christian man is going to just find you in the church house. Well, guess what? He might not walk in the church door. A Christian man might, he might not knock on the door of your house because he's delivering a part from a, a FedEx or something of that nature. What I was finding out was that these women were literally living by that. And meanwhile, Mr. Wright was walking right by you. Mm -hmm. You weren't paying him any attention because he didn't fit the criteria that you were told that he had to. Or in my personal experience, and I talk about this in a chapter of my book, um, Delayed But Not Denied, I talk about the fact that I had the Christian man. He was a preacher. You know, he was everything that the church had told me that I was supposed to have in terms of the image and his relationship with Christ and all of that. But guess what? The relationship still didn't work. And I'm convinced it didn't work because I was not prepared for love, not 
the 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 romantic love we see on television, but I mean the the consistency and the communication and the endurance and the patience that you have to have to have committed love. I wasn't prepared for that because nobody ever talked about that. And mm -hmm. so that's what we do on Single and Saving the Kingdom. I do through my videos, through my live events. You know, we talk about love in a real way so that we're not, you know, being set up to expect things and you're throwing away what I say, an 80% relationship, you're throwing that away because it doesn't fit what the church told you it should fit. Or then you're holding on out of dysfunction to a 20% relationship. When again, we haven't had any guidance and instruction in that. And so that's what I try to do is to try to help singles and coach them through their readiness uh, and preparedness for being in a relationship, period. I am a, an advocate. I, I truly believe that a lot of infidelity begins because people have not uh, achieved adequate closure and they have not uh, actually even determined if they were ready for a relationship. We move on to the next person before we ever even determine, am I ready physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially? Am I even prepared to offer someone the best of who I am? We don't do mm -hmm. that. I was thinking about what you was talking about as far as learning how to separate uh, the church girl from the wife, if you will. Yes. We don't know how to turn that off when we walk mm -hmm. into the door. We do not. We do not. You know why? Because our examples didn't know how or we didn't see them do it. And again, you wonder why. Because what I had to begin to understand, too, is that. You know, infidelity happens in the church, out the church. Uh, mm -hmm. Use happens in the church. Out. So it's not like we we think because we're saved, that means we're not going to still have to go through human, you know, issues of life. And that's why I said it's a disparity to not teach, you know, church girls, especially because what they do is they tell us to uh, stay busy in church work. But it also says that we should, the word says that we should be working out our soul salvation. That means that although I'm staying busy and doing the work of the Lord, and yes, we know that Christ is our, we are his bride. We understand all of that, but we still got some work on the inside that needs to be done. And I think we've been focusing so much on waiting for him. So while I'm waiting, I'm going to just stay busy. And that teaches you that even when you meet him, well, I've been busy. I got to stay busy. And you never learn how to transition and actually determine, Hey, what is, you know, what is, what, what, what do we like? What do we not like? What does he, how does he make me happy? How am I fulfilled? If he died today, can I still make it without him? Those are the things that I'm trying to focus singles, especially church girls, because we're waiting for this imaginary man that is most likely not going to come. And then you're mad at God. And then you're mad at, you know, everybody else who seems to be moving on. And so I want us to begin to start developing some inner work and some inner preparedness so we don't waste time on time-wasting relationships and that we don't waste time uh, with these images that other people told us when you haven't asked God, what do you want for me? Amen. Amen. And sometimes you didn't, like you said, you created this perfect image of a man that doesn't even exist. Doesn't even exist. Doesn't even exist. I am a, I am the poster child for, I'm a romantic at heart. Um, always have been very tenderhearted and just love, love. Mm 
And mm-hmm. I had to be very careful with that. Um, and, and the things that I bring out with Single and Saving the Kingdom are not just things that I've heard other people preach about or, or mentor about. I'm talking about my own personal life experiences that I wish I had someone to say, hey, Renee, don't go that way. Or, hey, did you, had you thought of it this way? And that was one of the main ones is that I had to honestly break up with some of those images that I had in my head because I there was no man on this earth that would be able to compare to the images that I created. Created. I made them up because I was taking a bit of what I saw my father do. I took a bit of what I saw my grandfather do and all the other positive images in relationships. I took those things and I created this perfect man in my head, never stopping to think, well, first of all, you're not perfect. So <laughs> how right. dare you expect him? And it put pressure on the guys that I was dating and, and trying to be in a relationship with. It put pressure on them and they didn't even know why. It would be me. I would be dissatisfied because I would not let go of this perfect image because I was worried about what everybody else was going to think about the person that I ended up with. Not right. ever thinking about who did God want me to be with and was I happy. Girl, you better talk on today. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and I know that, that you know how I know it's true because I see too many church women who are married because if marriage was the epitome of everything that we were waiting on as single young women in church, then why do you have so many unmarried women in church that are still unhappy? And I think miserable, miserable. And I think it's a disservice to not minister to young women. And that's my other desire is for me, the work that I'm doing with Single and Save through these courses. I want these women to get empowered because then I want you to in turn be a disciple and help empower these younger girls. Because we were once younger girls too, going through the same hard knocks. And mm-hmm. nobody is talking to them about the truth. All we're telling them is to don't have sex, don't get pregnant. We got that message. They got that message. They understand. They know what God says about that. But you still don't deal with their emotions. You still don't deal with their heart. You don't deal. The Bible even says that, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. But yet and still from a small age, we're taught, follow your heart, follow your heart. But what does the word tell you clearly? You know, who can know it? It's deceitful. So mm-hmm. this is the, the message that we want to stop teaching these young girls, not to not, you know, be, like I said, a romantic or love, love and all of that, but not to put so much emphasis on just your heart. And you don't even know what's inside of your heart. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know what's in the DNA of your family history when it comes to relationships. This is where I want to do my ministry. I'm called to help people go deeper. Because we do surface church, we do surface relationships, we do surface connections, but I know God is calling me to help women and men to go deeper so that you present a deeper person in the relationship, not shallow and, and ready to walk out the door the first time he doesn't take the trash out. You know, I mean, these are the things that nobody's really talking about. And there's not even really a place all the time on Sunday morning or Wednesday afternoons or Bible stuff. It's sometimes not even the places to talk about those things. So that's again, why I think God created this for me to bring it outside of the walls of the church so that I can help anybody that wants to go deeper. And I think if women just try to, well, not even try to be themselves versus trying to be what the church is telling them how they should be. Yes. Yes. A, a lot of these relationships will go for the long haul because you are putting on a facade you are being trying to be something that the church told you to be. And this man marries you and expecting you to be that certain way. Yes, ma'am. But at the same time, he wants you to be a certain way at home, but mm-hmm. you are still 
stuck. <laughs> missionary Patty Perfect is what I call her. Girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a dating book right now, and that's what I one of the one of my characters in the book is Missionary Patty Perfect because. Mm -hmm exactly what you want to do because we again if you've told me to marry myself to the church see we got to be careful about the words that we say because some of the things that we say in these 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 what i call tbn answers where they sound good oh i'm married to the church and all of that stuff you have to be careful about that though because sometimes you are subconsciously agreeing to things that your heart really isn't in agreement with Mm -hmm. Yes, I love God. Yes, I want to serve him. But I secretly still desire to be in a marriage and in a, in a wholesome relationship. And sometimes it's hard for those women because they're, they're, they're saying they don't know how to cut things off. And I had to learn that even in my singleness, I still had to start having boundaries, even within my church work. And it was a guy that I was dating that actually taught me that. He was like, look, you know, when you come over and we're just supposed to be having a date night where we're going to watch movie and order food, he's like, I don't want, you know, missionary Renee. I don't want, you know, the school teacher. I don't want the problem solver. I just want you, the woman. And so mm -hmm. that challenged me to actually begin to share those layers and to know when to turn on, you know, those roles that I had to play and when to turn them off. And I know for a fact that I'm not the only woman. So I know how that feels to still not know how to turn that off and want to make the person you're dating be a project when that's not what God calls you to be. You know, it's I, not. Yeah, because I actually had a conversation with my ex-husband a while ago. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, you know, why our marriage kind of fell apart and he was saying his piece and, and all that. And I just told him, I said, you know, I can't give you sole responsibility for what, why our marriage failed. I said, because a lot of times I forgot to be just me. I, I was too, I was so busy trying to be the church girl that I forgot to be me. Wow. I was like, when I, when I turned my life back over to Christ, mm -hmm. I became this whole new person who because when we met I was backsliding and then I backslid all the way once we really got close mm -hmm. and then after we got married I got back in church and then I converted to this that church girl mm -hmm. so I it's turned into something that he didn't even meet I, I turned to somebody he was married to right, right. so I, right. I can't put sole blame on the crumble of our marriage because I, I turned into something that you weren't used to. So when we were sitting there talking, he looked at me. He's like, "You." He's like, "Who are you?" Because you don't even seem like you know. I know who you are. That you're not acting like yourself. I said, "No, actually, this is me." Mm. I'm wow. like, I'm like, this is actually how I really am. I just finally found me. We don't talk like that anymore. But at that time, right. I think he both gave us that that closure and that peace. Okay. So like okay, this ain't all my fault. This ain't all her fault. Mm -hmm. We both had our parts into it. Women really need to just be who they are. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Whether, whether they're in church, whether mm -hmm. they're out at work, whether mm -hmm. it, be just you and you will be so much happier and whoever you find or whoever finds you mm -hmm. will love you so much for you being authentically you. I completely agree. I and that's one of the things. That's one of the missions of single and saving the kingdom is that what I what I have been instructed to do by God is to recreate the narrative of what it means to be a Christian single. Yeah. Um, 
we have been told and it's been passed down and the Bible does say that, you know, the older women teach the young women, younger women. But what it also says is that each generation is going to have more knowledge and more understanding. So much known, much more required. And so one of the things that I wanted to do was to create, recreate our narrative. Stop letting other people dictate to you what being single and saved and being single and a Christian, being single and a believer. Stop letting them dictate what that means. Because I know when that if you're talking to a guy and you're dating him exclusively, you're still already, uh, you're automatically acting like a wife. And see, I'm recreating that narrative and saying, wait a minute, I'm single until I say I do. Because what that does is keep me from moving over illegally into a wife role when Come it all on. I'm not your wife. Yes. See, that helps create boundaries. See, I'm recreating that because for such a long time, I know women that would date men and say they take themselves off the market and you're putting up with stuff like you're already married to him. Sweetheart, you're not married to him, my dear. Now, I say this all the time on my videos. Let me submit to you that you're single until marriage. That means you always have options. When you have options, you make better decisions in relationships. I'm telling you as a single young lady, a single woman in this world, when I have options, Options. When I understood I had options, I wasn't so easy to put up with any and everything. And then it allowed me to really be my authentic self because now I'm not worried. You can go, but I know my authenticity is going to bring the better to me. So I'm not worried. I'm not afraid that I got to put. But see, when you don't dig deeper into what you've been through, who you are, and I applaud you for saying that you Held, had your own accountability in the demise of the relationship. That is what I'm saying. We we spend so much time talking about what he did, what he did, what he did, but we don't look at us. And that's what all of this, where I'm at in this season of my life, Lillian, honestly, is because God has been, and he's been doing a deeper work in me. He told me a long time ago that I'm going to heal you from the inside out. But again, if you're going to go inside, that means there's nobody else I can 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 blame nobody else. I can say, he was like, look, this is what you're doing. Your low self-esteem is allowing certain situations. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have anything to hide anymore. I have been too many illegal wives in someone's spirit and letting them, I'm operating and moving like a wife, which, which again, on one side is good because it says that I am wife material. But again, I have the option to say, wait a minute, I'm not married to you. I don't owe, I don't have to do your taxes. I don't have to take your mama to the uh, the doctor. I don't have to be at every cookout. I don't have to be there and, and, and rub your head because you had a bad day at work. Those are safe. Those privileges are for wives and husbands. Because I was going to ask you about your um, the online dating course that you're going to start. Okay. Tell me about that. Okay. Um, I wanted to take the, like I said, I do the videos every other Thursday. And I wanted to take it to the next level because I would begin to have singles reach out to me privately saying, hey, do you do private sessions? Or, hey, you know, uh, when are you going to do some more individual work? And so I created this course. It's called The Love Connection. It's the 21-day challenge. Um, and we are in week two of it now. The next one will begin uh, at the end of August. And what this course is, is this this course is for singles. I actually have married people right now that are taking the course. Um, oh, and oh. what it is, is because um, what I'm understanding is that we evolve. And a lot of times we're still trying to operate in romantic relationships the way we did when we were 
15 or 20 or 25. As you get older and you begin to evolve, just like you evaluate your life uh, from career, from phase one of your career to the end of retirement, the same way I believe God is mandating us to do that in our love lives. And so what I created this e-course for is because I want women especially, but it's for women and men, to go back and start to understand what their perceptions of love are about. Um, I offer a dating, a personal dating profile. Um, A lot of times you'd be surprised that women are especially are saying they want to be in a relationship, but they have no idea what they want. They don't know their readiness to be in a relationship. They don't have any boundaries set. They have not um, achieved closure in past relationships, but you still up saying, I want to be married. And so this e-course is created to make sure I'm giving you insight and I'm helping you go deeper to be able to determine your readiness for love. Uh, even the, the some of my married students are even saying that Uh, they're about to become empty nesters. And so they're taking the course because they realize that, okay, listen, we've had this child uh, here as a buffer, but now I want to make sure that I'm ready for it just being you and I. And can can our relationship stand it being just us as a man and a woman and not mom and dad? And so that's what the the e-course is doing. So we have three weeks. Uh, We have, uh, I do two live sessions a week with the students. And then I also have an online platform that has all of the coursework and the assignments and all of that. Um, And then we do a culminating uh, activity at the very end. Um, This has been so phenomenal and such a blessing to myself um, because it's giving me closure in a lot of ways as I'm helping other students. It's helping me close down some unhealthy relationships. It's helping me create those borders. And so this is what I I want to offer to the world, to singles, Um, whether you want to be in a relationship or not, but you eventually want to be married or you desire that in, in some part of your life, this is the course for you to take so that we can go deeper. I do know that a lot of times people know that there's a problem. They know that they're doing something wrong, but a lot of times they don't know how. And so I'm offering or I'm giving you a solution to how. How can I move on to the next level of my life and relationships? It begins with self-awareness and that it's, it begins in you investing in yourself and saying, let me start with me. And so that's what the 21-day the challenge is about. And it is changing our lives. It literally is changing our lives right now. I think that's probably one of the hardest things for people to do is to find fault within themselves. Now, they can find fault with their appearance, Mm -hmm. but as far as everything else goes, Mm -hmm. it's everybody else's fault. Exactly. Exactly. And during this pandemic, uh, this has been a perfect time because a lot of people now are looking for introspection. Um, we've had a lot of time at home and, you you know, your schedule has slowed down and you're not able to keep the busyness of the world going on. And so now people are actually trying, especially with this new world that we're in now, people are asking questions. So why not? While you're asking those questions, go ahead and uncover answers. So let's get some discovery and some insight. So that's another reason why I decided to launch it at this time because I'm like, we have the time to go deeper. And it, and the great thing is that it's not always a negative thing. There's been some wonderful discoveries about myself and my students have discovered about themselves that weren't negative, but it was just buried underneath so much stuff that it gunked up that they had not made space for. If anybody asks me, why did you create this course? It's because I want to help singles make space for love. You don't have space when you got all of the old boyfriends and all of the old hurts and you don't have room for love. And so that's what this is. This course really was designed to help them uncover areas where they can make space. 
And they're still on that pity party too. Yes, yes. And we want to get out of all of those negative thought patterns. But you know what I'm so surprised by? There's so many people that say they desire love and they don't even know what's in their heart about love. They don't even know what they're thinking. You know, how are you going to transform your mind and you don't even know what you're thinking? And so that's what this is designed to do. But, you know, only those that are ready for truth. I had to understand that too. I know everybody's not ready, but those that are ready, that's what this solution is here to offer you. Yes. Let's talk about uh, you being the youth pastor. Yes, now, ma'am. <laughs> now, how was that moment when you were called to that ministry? Well, I think the ministry, you're, you're so correct. It called me. Um, my father is a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. And so I've always had to be in charge of the youth um, while I was still growing. Um, and the particular church that I'm at now, uh, Greater Refuge Cathedral, um, my leaders, um, when I was ready to move and transition over to this ministry, there was a need because the young people at, at the church that I go to, they were the number of young people was almost the same amount as adults. And so they recognized that those young people almost needed a church within a church. And so at first it was kind of difficult because I had three major groups that all needed ministering to. And so it was just trying to have organization about it. But again, the main thing that I wanted to do is I started beginning to see that young people were losing their love, not of God. They were losing their love for church. Mm -hmm. It just, it was still, you know, we're there for so many hours and it wasn't really being catered to them. And so um, that was what I tried to do in my role as youth pastor is to try to get them back to a level of loving God. Because when you love God, there's certain things that you'll deal with that, you know, you don't mind it because you're, you're growing and, and you're learning. And so we implemented, uh, you know, several things. I would do a retreat every year uh, with my youth staff because I wanted them to continue to empower the young people. Um, and we have some amazing young people at my church. And so they were really able to start to spread their wings. And, and mentorship, discipleship has been a big one as well. So um, that role, um, although extensive and it was kind of difficult at times because I didn't live in the city that I actually go to church in, but God always brought people in that could see the vision that I was trying to create. And so, um, we, we, you know, we've moved on, um, from that particular ministry, but at the same point, it still makes me feel good to see that the ministry is still thriving because that's what it should do. It shouldn't, uh, the youth ministry should not die because I moved on to another ministry. It should still be thriving. And so I'm thankful to see that they're still moving and growing and doing what they've been taught to do. You are the CEO and founder of the Learning Alliance Enterprise, LLC. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell us about that? Yes, ma'am. I started the Learning Alliance um, in last year of September. Again, these are things that I had already been working on. I've been a teacher for almost 20 years. This is going on to my 18th year. Um, and I began to see that, especially in special needs, and I'm, uh, I'm a special ed teacher. And what I began to see was that a lot of times it's not that the parents were not concerned about their children, despite their, you know, economic status. Um, but a lot of times they were just not, they didn't have the knowledge and the understanding. And I've been on the other side where parents go into these special ed meetings and the people are talking over their heads and they're really making them feel like they're not an integral part. So I began doing it as a volunteer basis. I called myself the learning advocate and I would go uh, and assist parents 
of special needs children, I would go to their uh, IEP meetings and we would sit there and that would I'd be almost like an advocate for the parent. I'd help them understand the, the legalese and the, 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 the paperwork and um, I would help them fight for what they their wishes were, or at least make sure that their wishes were heard. Well, then uh, the new assignment that I have as the Learning Alliance is that I'm understanding that not only do I have to work with the students and the, the children, I'm also fostering relationships with the school system and uh, other agencies like um, DFACS, because I work in a mental health hospital. And a lot of times uh, the teachers don't even know that the children have been hospitalized. And so you're sending a mentally ill child back into the school setting and you're expecting them to just pick up where they left off. And so the Learning Alliance, what we're doing is we're bringing a uh, bridging or trying to bridge that relationship between the student, the, the parent, and those agencies like the schools and the DFACS and the social workers. And what I do is I train them to know how to help this child transition adequately back into the normal school setting because the, the, the resources that I have in a residential setting are not the resources that are going to be always available at their home school or at their home. And so my job is to kind of help create a transition plan for them academically. And so I meet with teachers, I meet with school systems, I train those uh, teachers and school systems on how to handle those kids to help avoid um, further hospitalization. So it has been an amazing ride so far. I'm so excited about it. I'm working currently to get it online as well so that it can also be an e-course offered. Um, but God has just put me in the realm of, of continuing to be a mentor and an advocate for those that just say, I don't know what else to do. And so it's a solution for those parents that are pulling their hair out, trying to keep their kids out of hospitalization, especially in the trauma that they're having at school. My mother was a special ed teacher. Oh, wow. She was a, a nurse first, and then she retired from being a nurse and raised us. And then when she decided to go back to work, she decided to be a special ed teacher. It takes a huge heart to be a special ed teacher, so I commend you for doing that. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I stumbled into teaching. My family is a family of educators, but I just stumbled into um, becoming a parapro because I was trying to work my way through school. Um, but then I began to understand and know you've been called to teach. So I'm thankful for it. And I appreciate that because it's not an easy job. <laughs> it's not no, 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 no. We talked about earlier about the book that you co-authored that was a bestseller. Matter of fact, yes. um, tell us about the book and about the chapter you wrote. You touched on a little bit, but tell us about it. Okay, the book uh, is a compilation. I was in the third series. Uh, it was a compilation of black authors, black female authors. It's called Delayed But Not Denied. I'm in book three. Um, I have amazing publishers, uh, Julia Shaw and uh, Tony Coleman Brown. And they brought together a group of uh, African-American women, and we were all to tell our individual stories. Um, of how we had experienced um, delays in our lives, um, but how that did not necessarily mean that God was denying us access to our destiny. And so um, I stumbled upon uh, this opportunity um, at my, my first lady had a, uh, a women's retreat. Um, and one of my friends, my co-author, uh, shout out to Deneen Cooper, she um, introduced me. Well, she just mentioned it to everyone that they were looking for new authors. And this I'd already, it had been spoken over my life many years ago about that I was going to be a writer. And I had kind of put it on the back burner, got busy with teaching and all of that and mentoring and church stuff. And um, so it was like something left, you know, almost like how they said Elizabeth, the baby leapt in the belly. Mm -hmm. That was 
how it was. Like I knew it was the time for me to do it. And so uh, I, this project was amazing. And my chapter is called Can You Hear Me Now? And uh, I'll be honest with you, when I wrote the chapter, my first draft, uh, my publisher, I'll never forget it. She said, this is too safe. She said, this is nice. She said, but it's safe. She said, there's a story that's deeper. And again, God's been calling me into that. And so I talked about uh, a really significant heartbreak, a time when I was engaged and thought I was going to be married. And again, we were the idyllic couple. He was a preacher. I'm a PK. I'm a minister. Um, you know, we dressed alike. We, you know, we just did all the things on the outside that everybody thought we were just amazing. But down on the inside, um, things had gotten really, really ugly, almost abusive to a certain oh, state. Oh. And um, I talk about the shame and the horror of what happened in that relationship when it ended. Um, but then I also talk about how God healed me and how he healed me. He didn't heal me in a traditional sense. I grieved over that relationship for two years um, and nobody knew it. I was suffering silently and nobody knew because people will get tired of your, your drama or your heartbreak after a while. Um, but God started me um, saying that I'm going to heal you by you helping someone else. And that was where I started my first mentoring group called Sister to Sister. Um, and what it was just built upon was allowing women to come together. No time limit in terms of women being heard. That was the thing. I felt like uh, all that time that I was suffering silently through that relationship. And even after it was over, I felt like I was suffering silently and I felt like nobody heard me or wanted to hear me. And so that was why I called the chapter. Can you hear me now? Because I felt like it was a it was time for me to be heard. And I was waiting for permission to be heard. But when this opportunity came, I felt like I was reclaiming my time, so to speak. And I said, I'm not going to wait for you to say, do you want to hear me? I'm asking you, can you hear me now? Because I'm speaking up and telling you what I went through. Mm. And so it was number one bestseller the first day out on Amazon. It was just, I mean, God just has blown my mind in terms of um, just the, the, it was the momentum that I needed. It, it's what propelled me to move into the next venture, which is single and saving the kingdom. And then the e-course and, you know, my dating book is coming out. So it has really, really, it was the pivotal moment for me. It really was. So I just wanted to encourage other women that had gone through heartbreak, um, and felt silent to let them know that you don't ask for permission anymore to be heard. You just speak up. All right. Now, there's something else that you do that I was tickled to see. Mm -hmm. You are a singer with the Tony Howard Motown <laughs> Review Band. Yes, And y'all just celebrated y'all 18th anniversary, too, this year. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out to the best band manager in the world. <laughs> it's amazing. I love me some Tony Howard. Yes. Now, how did that come about? I know people are, when I put that in there, people are always like, no, wait, this is why I love this platform that you have with Worldly Church Girl, because I love the fact that you acknowledge and allow people like myself to share that. Yes, I am saved. Yes, I'm a minister. Yes, I'm, you know, a PK and all of the things that I'm doing the work of God. But I have another side of me. Um, and that's that's the thing. I'm very uh, Music is my passion. Yes. Um, and I, it started out with me being a wedding singer at my godbrother's wedding in Miami. 
Um, that's been about eight, 10 years ago. Well, about eight years ago now. And it started out where they were looking for a singer and they were like, well, Hey, Renee, won't you come? So I went to Miami to sing and I came back and told my coworker about it. And she said, Hey, I know this guy, Tony Howard, he's looking for some background singers for his show that's coming up. And I was like, I'm a church singer. I can't sing. I, you know, I don't know any like really secular songs. I grew up in a real strict household. So mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of R and B, but when I met him, it was just such a perfect fit. He is the ultimate professional. He's the ultimate entertainer. We have sang all over. He actually uh, was on James Brown record label uh, years ago, and he's very well known in the um, in the in the area of Augusta, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. We've gone all over to sing, um, and so he does a big production for Valentine's Day every year. Um, that's what the tone the the Motown review is, and I just love it. It is really my guilty pleasure. I don't want to say guilty because I don't feel guilty about it, but it really (laughs) is one of those things that I truly just love to do. I never get tired of singing with him. Never, ever, ever. I enjoy it. It's something I would do for free. I I love it, but it is just, it's just, I love it. I just never get tired of it. Now I watched the video, but I couldn't find out which one you were. Now I'm always, well, first of all, I'm the thick church girl. I'm always on the end and I'll have to send you some of the videos, but yes, we have, um, uh, he has some amazing lead artists and now the last two years he's created something. We used to just only do uh, background for certain artists, but now he has created, uh, we've been added as a part of the house band. So we back up all of the artists and he calls us Tony's angels and we just did a benefit <laughs> concert. We just did a benefit concert uh, for first responders um, a few months ago, and like I said, I definitely have to send you the link for all of that. But um, it has been amazing. We uh, well, he's on the road every weekend. I can't always afford to go with him every weekend, but we always do the big Motown show in February, and we always, um, you know, I do as many gigs as I can when I have the time to do it. But it is just something I never get tired of, and I just love it. And it, it and it's it's nothing. You know, church folk will tell you. Oh, you know, I'm singing that rock and roll and ain't doing nothing but drugs and drinking it. And it's it's one of those things. It's nothing like that. I mean, right. it is the epitome of, you know, uh, professionalism. It's it's above board. There's no, you know, you know, uh, illegal activity going There's on. There's no foolishness no, going on. No, no, not whatsoever. Uh, he makes sure that we're safe. He treats us like we're stars. I mean, you know, we 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 get on the tour bus and go do festivals, and people think we are doing. I mean, they think we are, you know, we're Beyonce when we come in town, and so it's just been such a joy, and I love it, and I'm so proud that I can do it, and it does not reflect or take away from who I am in the body of Christ. That's what I really love about it. Absolutely not, and it cracks me up. Say, folks, church folks, whatever folks you want to be in the categories of, y'all. Look, we all listen to secular music. There you go. There you go. Stop there acting go. like you don't because there's no way you can quote a song title or a verse mm-hmm. when you're up there preaching or just talking to the congregation unless you heard it. Now, that's so true. That's so true. Funny because when we do the big Motown show in February, uh, we have, it, it's the majority of the people out there are church people. Yeah. <laughs> All of us that are a part of the show and a part of the cast and the band, all of us, all of us are are church attenders and ministers and we all play and sing at our churches and stuff. So they come to support our show every year. So like you said, it's, it's, 
it's you know it's it's clean and I tell anyone that that's what I'm proud about it it's a clean show and it's it's something that you can bring your grandchildren to if you want I mean it's it's nothing you know I and mean, again it, it shows the integrity of things that I would never be a part of something that I couldn't bring you know a family member to and be proud of so yeah I love singing with Tony I really do yeah, I, I'm like you. I just love music. So Me good music. Me too. And that's what it is. It's good music. We do. Uh, he does tributes to Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston. He has uh, a tribute to Elvis, a tribute to, of course, uh, the uh, all of the Motown guys, the Five Tops, the Temptations. Diana um, Ross. I saw that one. The Supremes. Yes. Like, Yes, yes. So we, we, he, he gets in there, and it's, and he even does a gospel version, um, as well, um, where he's done tributes to like Kurt Franklin and Yolanda Adams and things like that. So he does try to keep it multifaceted, but he is very, very well known. And like I said, you can tell he has that James Brown ethic in terms of his professionalism is what I really enjoy. He, he makes you, we feel, you know, he tells us all the time, you don't act like a, you're a professional singer, you are a professional singer. Because he just treats us, you know, he he it's above board. So I really love it. I never get tired. I really don't. I say I'm gonna stop, and then I might stop for a, a month or two because of my schedule. But then this, you know, he calls me back and says, "Renee, can you go with us?" And this, you know, I'm on the tour bus saying, "Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. That's what's up. Now, what does your purpose look like through your eyes? Wow. Um. I think that my purpose right now in this season of my life um, is to empower, to teach, to educate, to mentor, and to uplift. Um, that That's what I think I'm, God is calling me to, projects and, um, and ventures where I'm able to uplift, um, where I can put myself where I was there. And like I said, areas, you know, feeling like a trailblazer, areas that were not being uh, touched upon when I was coming along and needed that, I think God is pulling me into um, areas where I'm able to kind of be that midwife, the spiritual midwife to others who are stuck like I was. Um, and, you know, just getting to a place of um, wholeness. That's something that I, I constantly pray for and constantly ask for. I want nothing broken, nothing missing. I want to be complete and whole. Um, and I can see him through every aspect of my life right now that he's pulling me into a place of that wholeness. And I think that was the purpose is that I know how to minister and to serve and to uplift. I know how to do it broken, but I know that he's called me to do it, do those same things, but from a place of wholeness. And so I think that's what he's calling me to right now. Amen. Now, how can people contact you? Okay, well, you can reach out to me. Um, well, first of all, my email is the L Renee GA. I'm the only L Renee in Georgia that I know of. The L Renee GA at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. And again, uh, I'm under the L Renee GA under Instagram. Um, because my students find me, I had to kind of be a little tricky on Facebook, but you can also find me under L Renee. Uh, under Facebook and also under Renee Edwards um, under Facebook. And again, I do single and save the videos. I do them every other Thursday. We call it Transparent Thursday. Um, and you can reach out to me through any of those avenues. You can email me, you can inbox me. Um, but again, you can reach me out, uh, Renee Edwards under Facebook or L Renee. I even have a Focus Academy 
um, page on uh, Facebook and focus. I forgot to say stands for fellowship of committed adult singles. It's called focus F O C A S Academy. So I have uh, three platforms on Facebook that you can reach out to me on and I am on Instagram. All right. Are you ready for your last question? Yes, ma'am. I am. Which is a fun question, especially since you love music. So okay. you ready? <laughs> yeah. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walk into a room, what would it be and why? Oh, you get oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Wow. <laughs> oh, you got me. You said was I ready? I thought I was. <laughs> you got me on that one. Okay. If I had a theme song right now. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the the students in my private e-course right now, um, we I asked that same question, as a matter of fact, when our first meeting, and I came up with the name of, I call them the Thrive Tribe, okay. and I'm going to use that song. It's by Mary J. Blige, and it's called Thriving, um, because I am moving from a place in my life of just surviving. I have survived a long time. Uh, and thankful that I survived a lot of things that were meant to take me out, but I am ready for thriving. I want to soar. I want to fly. I want to thrive. I want to coast <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and so that is where I, I think if I walked in, I would want that song to be playing. I am thriving. I'm living a life where I am thriving. Now, if I had to go gospel, uh, I think it would be uh, in this place by Tamala Mann. You know, looking around okay, and saying, okay. I'm living in this place, you know, and it's only because of God. So I think that's it. Okay. That's you, didn't good, have, you didn't have to. Oh, thank you. But you didn't have to go gospel. Well, I know, you know, that's the church in me. You know, he's like, I, I know it is. I know <laughs> it is. But I had a little bit of everybody on this show and I had a lot of church folks on the show. And most of the time, 75% of them was not a church song. Okay, great, great. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I have to think. That song by Mary J. Blige, yeah, thriving. All right now, I love it. All right, well, thank you so much. I really oh, appreciate this you. So fun. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of this opportunity. Thank you, Renee, for being on my show. Thank you for taking out the time in your busy schedule to drop just a tidbit of the things that you've done in your life that will help us. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. Have you subscribed yet? There are so many great shows that are coming and so many shows that you probably already missed that you need to go back and listen to. You need to hit that subscription button so you will never miss a thing. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl. <laughs>